hello everybody guess what this is not actually an acom episode <laughs> surprise <laughs> this is an episode of mccartney a life in lyrics have you all been listening hopefully you are if you haven't checked it out yet you really need to check it out but we're gonna make it easy for you today because we have it right here yeah and this particular episode is a very well-known very beloved beetle classic one of my all-time personal favorites not to be basic bitch and it is eleanor rigby <laughs> eleanor rigby was the first episode of the new series if you haven't heard it yet these episodes are augmented with some narration from paul muldoon just to give a little context and a little shape to these tapes which were not recorded for a podcast series they were recorded on mr muldoon's <laughs> phone as raw tapes to help him edit the lyrics book yes and if you're familiar with paul mccartney you know he can ramble from time to time it's been known to happen you know what it's uh it's paul's prerogative to ramble and that was absolutely the point. he's entitled yes he's entitled that was the whole point is to ramble to free associate yes. come up with whatever which is beautiful, but again, which is not a podcasting format. That is not the format. So a little bit of narration is required. Uh, so that's what they do. They give a little context and a little shape to these stories. Yeah. Yes. And unlike our behemoth episodes, these episodes are bite-sized. Ooh, yes, they are. A little hors d'oeuvre, mm -hmm. a little... A little snacky snack. Yeah. A little fun-sized, mm -hmm. little fun-sized podcast episode. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> ah, Plenty of uh, treats, no tricks. I guess, apparently, some people are not always in the mood for a two and a half hour podcast. <laughs> what? But you know what? I tried it out and it's actually kind of pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very nice listen. It's a very soothing series. A lot of it is in this first episode, admittedly familiar territory, but... Uh, so far, I can say that in every episode, there was something I didn't know or something I hadn't thought of or something I didn't expect. Yeah. For instance, in this episode, there was a fun reference to Mr. Lee Eastman <clears throat> that I wasn't expecting. And honestly, it's always just lovely to hear Paul's voice. Yeah. It's a precious, precious thing to hear him talking about the things that he loves most in the world. His musical babies. Oh. Well, maybe he loves his real babies more. Uh, yeah, but fair enough. The babies he loves most in the world besides his actual babies and grandbabies. And fur babies. <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> so yeah, it's a lovely listen. You should check out the whole series. We're very excited about it. And also, that was Daphne's line. And also, our podcast <laughs> series starts next week. I cannot believe that. I mean, it feels like it's been coming forever <laughs> but it also <laughs> you know which is never a bad thing but it also like it seems so soon yeah it crept up on us it really did yep like Slowly. a creeping armadillo so uh anyway yeah. <laughs> as you wait on pins and needles for our upcoming series which i know you all are uh, in the meantime please have a listen to mccartney a life in lyrics a new podcast with Sir Paul himself from iHeartMedia, MPL, and Pushkin Industries. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, presumably wherever you're listening right now. 
but we're not the boss of you. So wherever <laughs> you want, it will be there. Subscribe and enjoy. Oh my God. I wanted to become a person who wrote songs and I wanted to be someone whose life was in music. I'm Paul Muldoon. I'm a poet, a lover of not only the lyric poem, but the song lyric. Over the past several years, I've got to spend time with one of the greatest songwriters of our era. And will you look at me? It's happened. I'm going on tour. I'm actually a performer. Am I actually a songwriter? My God, well, that, that crept up on me. That is Sir Paul McCartney. We worked together on a book looking at the lyrics of more than 150 of his songs, and we recorded many hours of our conversations. This is McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, a masterclass, a memoir, and an improvised journey with one of the most iconic figures in popular music. Each episode is centered around the writing of a particular song, the people and the circumstances that inspired it. In this episode, Eleanor Rigby. Not many people know this, but an early ambition of Paul McCartney's was to be a poet. I feel okay about admitting to the fact that, yeah, I wanted to look a bit bookish. I wanted to smoke a pipe on the top deck of a bus. McCartney was friendly with the poet Allen Ginsberg, who had even revised some of McCartney's poems. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked. I knew Ginsberg quite well, and he... he edited some of my poems. And did he attempt to edit Eleanor Rigby? No, he said, uh, that's, a, that's a great poem. <laughs> well, that's he right. Said, that's a good poem. <laughs> I'm glad to so hear it. So I was it. very pleased that was like you know, the best review. The subject of Eleanor Rigby kept coming up in my conversations with Paul McCartney. It was like a reference point for him, a beacon he would steer by. There are many ways into this song, many things to talk about. But let's start with the central character, Eleanor Rigby herself. I wanted a character who summed up all the little old ladies that I'd known. And I, looking back on it, I knew quite a few. Paul McCartney's dad had brought Paul and his brother up to be rather gallant. He taught them to stand up for old ladies on buses. And he was the type who would doff his hat. Good morning. So I'd been kind of encouraged to, if I ever saw an old lady struggling with shopping, I would be the gallant young man. Can I carry that for you? Oh, that'd be lovely. Thank you very much. Chat, chat, chat. Go to the house, drop it off. Um, would you like a cup of tea? Paul was an active Boy Scout, and one of his favourite activities was Bob-a-job week, 
a common Boy Scout activity throughout England at the time. In Maidenhead, Buckinghamshire, a group of enterprising cubs turn up at the town hall for their bobby job task. Where kids would knock on doors and offer their services for a shilling. I was so glad I had to do all of this. Like knocking on doors. Mm-hmm. Yes? Excuse me, it's Bobber Job Week. Have you any jobs that you would like me to do? And um, most of them would be puzzled as to what. Well, I'd like to, but what? I said, well, have you got a shed out of the back? And maybe it's, it needs tidying. Oh, yes, that's a good idea. Or have you got a garden needs digging? I said, oh, yes, yeah, to give them the ideas. So I would. And in this way, I, I kind of got to meet a lot of older people. And um, I, I really loved it. I mean, once I got ten bob. And I think they kind of liked me. These relationships with elderly women are the original inspiration for Eleanor Rigby. So I imagined this lady and uh, I gave her a scenario and she's picking up the rice in the church. Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in the church where a wedding has been. So she's cleaning up in the church, which immediately sort of puts her in a social position and gives us an idea that there might be a little bit of poignancy with this rice and it's not for her. It was where a wedding had been. Uh, and then she waits at the window and facing a jar by the door. Waits at the window, wearing the face that she keeps in a jar by the door. Who is it for? My mum's favourite was Nivea, and yes. I, lo- I love it to this day. Yes, beautiful packaging. Yeah. Nivea. It kind of scared me a little that women used quite so much cold cream. Mm. The unguents, as they call them, you know, this kind of greasy stuff that they put on. It was my dread when I got older and got married that Mm. I would marry someone who would say, oh, I love, and would put one of these big shower caps on under curlers and have masses of things. And and I really, so that played on my mind quite a bit. So she was wearing the face she keeps in a jar by the door. The name Eleanor had come partly from the actress Eleanor Braun, a star at the time who had briefly dated John Lennon and starred in the Beatles' 1965 movie, Help. I am not what I seem. Hey, my skin's soaked right through to the skin. There's more here than meets the eye. See, Eleanor, I think, was always a fiction because we worked with Eleanor Braun. Took me a long time to think of Eleanor Rigby. Paul's girlfriend at the time, Jane Asher, was also an actress. And one time when she was playing at the Bristol Old Vic, Paul was wandering around outside. I was wandering around waiting for the play to finish and saw this shop. Uh-huh. said Rigby. I thought, uh-huh. That's, there's my surname. Right. It's nice. It's ordinary. But it's striking, it's strong, it's got all the sort of stuff I've been looking for. This is how Paul McCartney remembers it. Others have pointed out that the Rigby name might have come from somewhere different. There is a grave up in Wilton Church where John and I wandered around endlessly talking about our future. And there is a grave there. On the gravestone is the name Eleanor Rigby. And not far from it another grave with the name Mackenzie on it. 
I don't remember having seen that gravestone. Of course not. But it's been suggested to me that, you know, psychologically, I will have seen it. Yeah. I, I think we, we do see things without seeing them. Mm. Of course we do. Mm. They plant themselves they in do. your brain, and then I have to go to Bristol and see it and go, ah. The other main character in the song started out as Father McCartney, but it changed during a writing session with John Lennon. I had Father McCartney, because it was the right syllables. And I remember playing him, and he said, that's great, Father McCartney, he loved it. I said, no, I'm really not comfortable with it, because it's my dad, mm-hmm. and my father McCartney, mm-hmm. Father McCartney, it's me. You know, it's, it's not, I don't, want to, I don't want to be that personal with this. So we literally got the phone book out, and went on from McCartney, 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 McKenzie. That's good. Father Mackenzie, and then we had him working, but his work was darning his socks, because he was a sort of poor old vicar. Darning his socks in the night when there's nobody there. What does he care for the lonely people? Where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? Father McCartney didn't make it into the lyrics of Elmer Rigby, but he did play an important role in Paul's musical upbringing. My dad had sat me down as a kid mm-hmm. and taught me and my brother the idea of harmony. The Everly Brothers sang in harmony, so me and my brother did. I once performed at a talent competition with my brother Mike when I was 11, <clears throat> and we sang Bye Bye Love. Didn't win. Obviously not talented enough for the Butlins crowd. My dad was self-taught, had learned, listened to things and could play them. You know, I said, Dad, teach me piano like you play. He said, no, son. He said, I can't play. I said, you can't? I can hear you. He said, no, I can't play properly. You've got to go and learn. So Paul McCartney went out to learn from a proper piano teacher. But he didn't find that kind of music lesson to be so stimulating. It just killed me. I couldn't do it. When you go da 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 and you'd go da 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 you go, I've heard better stuff than this on the radio. This is not great. But okay, I'm sure we have to start here. And then she said homework. Go home and learn what a crotchet and a quaver and thing is and come back and so it was like, I've got homework from school. I don't need your homework. When Paul McCartney was 21 and the Beatles already gaining national popularity, he gave the piano lessons another go. And this was Royal Guildhall School of Music guy. And he tried, but by then I'd written Alan Rigby. And it, but he had to take me back to the five-finger exercise. Do, 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 do. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't do the show. I I just didn't want to do it. Many of Paul's peers felt the same way about traditional musical training. Everyone in my generation, all of us groups, Mm -hmm. John, George, Paul and Ringo, Mick, Charlie, Keith and so 
I don't think any of us can read music. And now I will teach a kid how to play the piano, how we learned it. And I will show them a couple of chords to get started on. And if they're musical, they're off. You'll get C, D minor, E minor, F, G, A minor, right there. That's like most of the Beatles songs. Right. That's more than you need to know. Which leads us back to Eleanor Rigby, a song that grew from a single chord. Dun, 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 dun. In its basic sense, it's just an E, e minor chord. Dun, 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 dun. And all the fun happens with my melody and the syncopation and the words. It's all against the four. George Martin, the Beatles producer, had introduced Paul to the idea of the string quartet on the song Yesterday. And I had resisted the idea at first, but when it worked, I fell in love with the idea. So I knew now that I wanted to do a similar thing with Eleanor Rigby. So I would go around to George's house, we'd arrange a little session. And I said to him, you know, I'm fascinated by Bach. Because I'd suddenly grasped that there was mathematics. I could see one, two, one, two, and then on top of that, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two. Now forming a sort of pyramid, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, eight. So I love this two, four, eight, sixteen thing. I brought this idea and talked to George about this. And he said, well, um, Bach, you know, would have done this. And he laid out the chords as he had done on yesterday. George talking about this later would say that he then became inspired by Bernard Herrmann, mm -hmm. who had written the psycho music. Right. <laughs> Which is very dramatic. And he wanted to bring some of that into the arrangement. Alfred Hitchcock's 1960s classic about the sinister Bates Motel had been a huge box office success. Dirty night. You have a vacancy? Oh, we have 12 vacancies. 12 cabins, 12 vacancies. In the movie, Anthony Perkins' character mails with his dead mother and takes revenge on his desires. Whether she's just a stranger, she's hungry and it's raining out. Together, they kill Janet Leigh in that famous shower scene. And it's Bernard Herrmann's stabbing violins that make that scene so iconic. While Eleanor Rigby isn't a film, of course, McCartney says that writing the lyrics was like structuring a movie. Well, I was seeing it like a film, just in my own imagination. I've got two protagonists that are lonely. She and then him. He's not sort of... You don't feel so sorry for him, but he's lonely. So you've got these two, so all the lonely people now becomes the, the chorus. 
Where do they belong? Where do they come from? And in the third verse, the characters are brought together. Died in the church. So we brought her back to her rice cleaning duties. And so one day she keels over in the church and was buried along with her name. So yeah, she dies and then he comes back. He's the one who buries her and he's wiping his hands as he walks from the grave. No one was saved. And that's your sort of wrap up to the story. And of course, there's some kind of strange connection between the elderly woman and of course, in Psycho, it turns out to be mm, uh, a woman mm. who's kind of mummified in mm, some ways, and mm. the son, the kind of crazy mm, son. It's true, there course. is a sort of link There's there, a yeah. strange kind and maybe of George link. thought that link as well. Yes, possibly. He's thinking just purely musically, you know. When you finished it, did you realise at that moment, you know, this is one hell of a song. This I is a dinger of a song. I thought this is a cracker. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. When you've when you've got something that that Linda's dad used to say, his left ball twitched. <laughs> you know, when he... There's a physical response. Yeah. Died in the church and was buried along with her name. Nobody came, Father Mackenzie, wiping the dirt from his hands as he walks from the grave. No one was saved, all the lonely people. Where do they all come from? All the Eleanor Rigby from the Beatles' 1966 album, Revolver. In the next episode... We travel behind the Iron Curtain to let ourselves in on one of the greatest jokes of the Cold War era. Back in the USSR. Oh